No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Small Council Radio. Uh, doing this next part a little later than I was hoping for, uh, so bear with me. Uh, jumping on here last second as usual. Uh, just got off work and waiting for my co-host. So, with that said. Uh, hoping to get through the rest of the factions, but, you know, I say that every time, so we'll see. Uh, going to do Greyjoys and Night's Watch uh, today and uh, see how that goes. If you haven't already seen the uh, updated uh, the new mission, um, can't remember the name of it now. It's uh, Banners and Butchery, or Something something like that. <laughs> Sorry, bear with me. I'm still collecting my thoughts. Uh, trying to get uh, Spencer a invite to the show. So I haven't had the chance to play a lot of games for Season 4 yet, but what I have played, I love it. Um, as I mentioned in, I believe, the first... Uh, part of covering season four. I absolutely love um, the simple change to deployment, being able to pick um, your side and then force your opponent to deploy first is huge. Um, I It's not like night and day difference, but um, I actually see people um, voluntarily choosing board side because there's a lot more tactical advantage to doing it. Um, you know, I'm not seeing it every time. Uh, obviously, the depends on the mission, depends on the terrain, a lot of factors. Um, so, uh, but I have once myself picked uh, board side. Um, I believe it was something like Game of Thrones between which objectives were where and the terrain. And then uh, I was uh, running a 5-2. My opponent was running a 4-3. Annoying, I could get them to have to drop uh, the first unit, only having four. Really allowed me to put a lot of things in my favor. Um, you know, which units were going to face each other, uh, getting the better objectives, the better terrain, all of that really adds up when uh, comparing it to, you know, getting to pick first or second, because picking first or second is pretty huge. Um, you know, not only was it huge, but picking first or second and making your opponent to play first, uh, it was a little much. So uh, super excited about that change. Tried out Baratheon for the first time in a very long time. Was very happy with them. 
I actually ran uh, two Dragonstone Nobles, uh, which was pretty fun. Um, between two of them and then Stag's Wit, uh, even with uh, my opponent having uh, Mary Master to place a bunch of tokens, um, you know, I wasn't really, you know, <laughs> all they had on me was panic all the time, and I was running such high morale that, you know, it ended up not really mattering. All right, just give me a moment. Uh, again, bear with me. Just going to give... Uh, looks like the link might not be working for Spencer, so I'm going to give him the phone number for now. the game mode real quick. I can cover that um, while we wait. Uh, well, that's weird. Uh, so I'm guessing it's probably just in the cool book. Price doesn't have like its own file on their documents page. Just because it's new, be you know something that people would see and go look at. Some people that you know all they know about is the update, haven't listened to like anything or whatnot. They might not even realize that uh, there's a mission to look out for. Uh, not happy that they took out Clash Kings, uh, in the rotation of game modes. If I'm not mistaken, that's what I heard. Um, for tournaments, um, looking at the document they have for the rulebook, and Clash Kings is still there. So, um, uh, there we go, banners and butchery. Um, so they made some changes. Sounds like they made the changes pretty quickly. Um, from what I've heard, I have not played it myself. Uh, very, uh, very unpopular mission, Banners and Butchery. Uh, lots and lots of games going. Um, you know, only a couple victory points each. Uh, there's a recent tournament um, that was recorded where both players got zero victory points, but uh, one opponent got tabled. So imagine losing in a game where both players got zero victory points outside of, and things actually died. Because um, I know you could kind of do that with, uh, you know, Fire and Blood or something where everyone just castles and nothing dies. Imagine there actually being a bloodbath and zero victory points on both sides. It's a little a little crazy, but I have faith, uh, you know, they've already, I think, tweaked it twice, if I'm not mistaken, since it's been released. I'm sure that uh, you're going to hear all the feedback and, um, you know, improve it from there. So I would say to anyone who's very hesitant or even has played it and didn't like it, play it some more and, you know, give your feedback. Uh, 
the more feedback they get with actual testing, not just looking at it and saying it's horrible, uh, is, I think, the way to kind of reach CMON to make some changes with this mission. So I know our uh, local tournament on Saturday is going to be putting this as the second round mission. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's a double-edged sword. Like I said, I'm not excited for it to be in there for the fact that it sounds like it's going to be awful. <laughs> but then again, I, I think the more we test this thing out, the the more they're able to take that data and then tweak it. So, um, but with that said, uh, uh, let's see, I think I have Spencer in here. Hey, can you hear hey, me? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. All right. Okay. So, uh, with that said, um, that's, you know, banners of butchery. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, you know, to jump right into things, um, just because, you know, we're always short on time, uh, we're going to be covering Night's Watch and Greyjoys. And then, Spence, can you remind me what other factions, Martells, and I feel like there's at least one more that we haven't covered. Or maybe that's it. Maybe it is just those three. Oh, have we? We haven't covered Starks, have we? Uh, no, we have not. Okay. All right. Well, we'll start with Night's Watch, then Greyjoys, and we'll see where we're at from there. I, even though Night's Watch got a huge change to them, a lot of controversy. Uh, I think they'll go relatively quick because. A good chunk of their changes are relative to their tactics cards, and we can breeze through those and talk to, talk about them as a whole. Um, but with that said, that's exactly what I'm going to do, because I think uh, everything else we talk about them is really going to um, correlate directly with the change to their tactics cards. Night's Watch uh, had every single card in their main uh, deck uh, changed, all seven cards, with one card from three different commanders changed uh, between John, um, uh, Malister, and uh, Jor. So starting off with the main deck, we have Sword in the Darkness. Now all seven, or not all seven, but six of the seven. Now um, anyone who is familiar with the deck before, you got an initial effect upon playing it, and then you got an attach effect. Um, they have now separated it into either or with the attach effect all being when a Night's Watch unit activates, um, you can attach it to them. So it does stipulate that if you're going to do the attach part, it's going to have to be on a Night's Watch unit. Though, if I'm not mistaken, every single effect of the, the, the first effect, like the one-time effect, could be used on anyone. Um, so the first one I have here is Sword in the Darkness, when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice. If the defender has not activated this round, they become panicked and vulnerable. When a friendly Night's Watch unit activates, attaches the card uh, until they fail a panic test. While attached, the unit's melee attack is treated as having plus one rank for attack dice. Um, very similar to what it was before with, you know, with the change to plus one die to plus one rank. 
And then obviously, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they all do fall off on a failed panic test. Um, fire that burns against cold. When a friendly unit is performing a melee test, reroll after rolling dice, you may reroll any dice. Uh, the attach effect is um, each time this unit gains a token, it may suffer one wound to remove that token. Um, let's see. So, and then shield in the darkness. Uh, again, it has the same effect of rerolling the defense dice and the attached part. Now, the difference with the attached part is it will apply immediately. Uh, anyone that was familiar with the older version, unlike sword in the darkness, that you could attach it and it would immediately start kicking in. Uh, shield did not immediately block one hit uh, on the attack that you initially played it for. But uh, because it's when you're activating uh, and you're placing it on the unit, it's going to be ready to go right away. Um, let's see, Watcher on the Wall. Uh, target one for combat unit other than Defender, that unit pivots and shifts two inches. So it's a two-inch maneuver without having the maneuver keyword, so you can't trigger anything like the Hunters. Um, when a friendly Night's Watch unit activates, uh, you can attach it to them. They'll get plus one move and reroll charge distance. Light the birth, uh, brings the dawn. Uh, reroll any misses for uh, an attack, a melee attack. Uh, the attach effect is um, plus one to morale test. Now that you know, I'll talk about it in a second, but I think that card is going to be key for the rest of the deck. And now as watch is ended, when a friendly unit is destroyed by a melee attack, uh, target the attacker, they become vulnerable. Then target the, any friendly unit that were within long range of the defender, they restore two wounds, or uh, attach it. Uh, and while attached, each time the unit passes the morale test, it restores a wound, so basically dauntless. Um, then take the black. After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, if the defender suffered any wounds, the attacker restores one wound plus one additional wound for each rank they destroyed with the attack. If an infantry attachment was destroyed, you may also take it and attach it to the attacker, replacing a model as usual but ignoring the usual attachment limits. So I'm going to wait to talk about the commander cards because um, the seven I just listed, it's a lot, a lot to digest. Um, I'm going to say it's uh, initially it's a big uh, big shock value. Um, like it's it's I think for a lot of people, uh, mostly nice watch players, but a lot of people, it's it's a very jarring change um, going from, in my opinion, uh, arguably the best tactics deck there is to um, probably one of the worst. I would not say it's the worst. I think. Um, I don't know. I believe that uh, this has cha completely changed the identity of Night's Watch, meaning that uh, they're really going to have to play a lot of games and really discover what the new avenue they need to go down to start winning their games. Um, the only problem I have with these cards, to be honest with you, uh, is the falling off from a panic test. Then again, uh, because the trigger is easy uh, to attach it, you know, when you activate, you literally could 
take the letter and then just activate five units and attach all five cards and then draw three new ones. And then if you have Sam and have an extra card, like you could attach your whole deck basically right, you know, within the first two, three rounds and have all these buffs. So I understand why they probably need the caveat of falling off for a panic test, but it just, I think it's going to be a feels bad. I think there probably could have been two avenues that they potentially could have taken, and that's if you fail the panic test, one card falls off. So let's say you get like two or three cards on a unit. They fail a panic test. You could even go as far as to say the opponent picks which one falls off. But, you know, to put two or three cards on one unit and then to fail one panic test, especially if it's one that was just, you know, not just random luck, but your opponent was like, all right, take this insane panic test, and now you lose all your cards, you know, possibly even before they take any real effect, it could be a big feels bad. Um, now, the initial effects are all really good. Uh, Rerolling re misses, defense dice, um, uh, panic test, so basically the three big ones for, like, the anti token, you know, condition tokens. Um, I think there's still a lot of good things about this deck. Um, Take the Black is just simply straight up better. Um, it now has the ability to trigger at any point in the game that you're doing a melee attack while still having essentially all the same effects. Because if you were to kill a unit, you're going to heal uh, four wounds and take an attachment, which is what it already did before. So it's just straight up buffed. Um, but everything else, yep. I mean, it's everything else got hit pretty hard. I think you're really going to want that light that burns against uh, the the light that brings the dawn early. Put it on your two best units, like if you can get both of them. That way, you can help ensure that your attached cards are going to stay on that much better. And then I think uh, things like even Brienne. I mean, two points is a lot, but that plus two, that stalwart for that plus two, or even Braun and, like, take the, the bags for that plus one, I think will go a long way to ensuring these cards stay attached. Um, but, you know, my uh, long rant aside, what uh, what are your thoughts, Spence? Yeah, this feels like a very brutal nerf, um, far more than I thought they would get. I actually like the direction they went with with the split cards. Well, I feel like some of these cards just got so weak that the, as you're getting at, the one failed panic test can make the entire deck just fall apart and be useless. Um, and their morale is good at a five, but it's not outstanding or anything. Like, every game, five-up morale fails, and that's without modifiers. Um, I, I, it's hard to, I mean, like, you're getting at this. It's going to take much more skill for the players to win now with it. Um, and I was in the camp that Nice Watch could use a nerf because their deck was so powerful and so versatile. Now I feel like it's trying to have versatility, but it's neutering itself in the process. I'm not quite sure how this is going to shake out on the whole. Um, We'll see what happens in time. Uh, I, I do think, though, this is going to 
make nice watch plummet on the power scale because I'm not even sure what their power combos are anymore, um, which is a problem. Yeah, and uh, I totally um, had a brain fart and didn't even list the other thing that I think they could possibly do. And this is something I've said for a long time, ever since uh, pretty much 2021. Uh, I would love it if they just went back to the old mechanic of you can have one card attached. Like, they should just go back to be being called vows. Um, I mean, they could still be, you know, attached cards. You know, they, uh, that's essentially what they are. But you can still give them that keyword of a of a vow. That way you can use that vow keyword in your effects. So... I would say each Night's Watch unit can have one vow attached, and then you come back with a unit. doesn't necessarily have to be the Watch Captain, just a generic attachment, and then even just give it straight up to Jorah, where if you have that attachment, which would probably give something else, um, you could have two attached. Or even just say generally any named character you have in your unit gives that effect you know, encourage the Night's Watch players to run all the named characters, you know, have Jorah Commander and then John and, you know, uh, Half Hand and all these attachments. Now you got, you can have two cards attached everywhere with no caveat of falling off. But you have to put in the investment to have, uh, you know, the attachment. But... I just want to throw that out there. You know, I I loved that about Night's Watch prior to 2021. I I liked that you had to play around with which ones you had attached, and uh, you know, and go from there. So, but I really don't think it's all doom and gloom. I really just believe that uh, Night's Watch just can't really play the way they used to play. Um, as we'll talk about in a minute here, some of their changes got. Oh, excuse me. Um, some of their changes here uh, got pretty good uh, for the other stuff. Um, uh, a handful of nerfs, definitely. Uh, but I don't know. I think there's there's a lot more uh, exploring that Night's Watch players will have to do. Um, but yeah. All right. So we can we'll jump into the commander cards. So uh, first one that changed was Night. Night gathers uh, for Jorah, or Jor, Gior. When a friendly Night's Watch unit activates, attach this card to them until they fail a panic test. While attached, each time an enemy is performing a melee attack on this unit, before dice are rolled, the attacker suffers one hit plus one hit for each remaining rank in, in this unit. So if I'm not mistaken, it just now has the caveat that it can fall off for a panic test. Uh, and it has plus one, uh, or it has one hit plus one hit, whereas before I believe it was just one hit for every remaining rank, and it didn't fall off. Um, I, to be honest with you, I think it's a nerf. Um, you could say it's a lateral uh, change, but I think it's a nerf. I would rather just have one less hit and then know that it will never fall off. That's just me. Um, what do you think? 
Uh, I have a weird feeling because I, I don't play Night Park a lot, so I could be wrong. I have a weird feeling that this one did uh, did have a claw for fall off before. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I don't know. I didn't play Night Watch enough consistently to uh, to know if he did, but he might have. Um, even then, you go, it's still a decent card, uh, causing your opponent to take hits before they do any damage to you, uh, which is always a good thing. Um, again, it'll just be a feel bad when it falls off because you kind of need it um, as part of the play style. Uh, that's really all there is to say about it. Uh, does Gior still do Embolden or does they change him? Um, he now has uh, uh, he heals uh, after passing a panic test, I think uh, heal D3. I'm not mistaken. Mm. Okay. Um, Let's see. All right. He is uh, <clears throat> stand your ground and stay at your posts. When a friendly unit in long, or in short range passes a morale test, that unit restores one wound plus one wound for each destroyed rank. So, yeah, th I mean, that was my first thought when I saw that these would fall off potentially was uh Gior and I was like, Oh yeah, I you know, I remembered that he didn't give that embolden anymore. I think that maybe even get rid of the stand your ground and give give him embolden back. Um to help with uh, that could be a pretty these. powerful combo with that healing. But yeah. Yeah, it could. Um, I just think the stay at your posts is is a nice uh, thing for him, so I'd hate to see that go. Uh, but I also think that Gior should provide something that is going to help these cards stay attached, if any commander did. But, no, I agree. Uh, that's why I was asking you. Let's see, I do have the old night, uh, night gathers. Let's see, it's the start of the turn, target one friendly engaged night switch unit. Uh, that unit performs one morale test on success, attach this card to them until the end of the game. Uh, you know what, it was already one plus one hit. I think, if I'm not mistaken now, let me go back and check here. Yep, the, only the trigger changed and the fact that it can fall off for a panic test. So the trigger is easier. It's just when they activate, it'll attach. But before it was, you had to, it was a start of turn if your unit was engaged. Hmm. And then you would take a morale test, and if you passed, you would put it on them. Um, to be totally honest, I still prefer the old one. Uh, knowing that it would never yeah. fall off, especially, you know, I know I, I would have to take a morale test anyways to make sure it even goes on, but... It's better to do that in a more controlled environment because you'd probably, you know, you're doing it on probably your turn before your opponent has applied any negatives. Take that on a five up, get it attached, boom, on there for good. Um, for the new one, you know, it falling off at any point in the entire, uh, from the moment you put it on from that point to the end of the game, it potentially falling off from one single panic test. I'm not too sure. So, all right. Tempered by duty, uh, Sir Denny's Malister. Uh, when a friendly Night's Watch unit activates, 
attach this card to them until they fail a panic test. When this card is attached and each time this unit activates, you may gain you may target one enemy in long and line of sight. They gain one condition token. Uh pretty sure this one got nerfed pretty bad if I'm not mistaken. Let me see. The old one was start of a friendly turn, target one friendly night's watch unit, and attach this card to them to the end of the game. While attached, each time this unit activates, uh, one enemy in short range gains one condition token, plus one condition token for each of this unit's destroyed ranks. Um, and this one was what, long or short? Long range. Alright, so it's an easier... Is it easier? Let's see. Start of a friendly turn. So, no, it's a, it's a worse trigger, um, technically, not that they're both horrible. And the fact that uh, De- uh, Malister will start with one attached. Um, but, I don't know. Uh, short range, but giving out potentially all three tokens and not ever falling off. Or long range, needing line of sight, only one token and it falls off with a failed panic. Uh, again, I just, that fall, the fact that it can fall off just immediately for me makes it a worse card. Yeah, I don't see this being a better card. I mean, the long range does give you a little more versatility if you can see to uh, put it on maybe units you're about to attack from that aren't engaged with you or something, but yeah, it's uh, not very good. All right, so and then last up for the taxes cards, we have For the Watch. When a friendly unit is performing a uh, charge action after rolling charge distance dice, you may re-roll any charge distance dice. Uh, that's the first option. Or when a friendly Night's Watch unit activates, attach this card to them until they fail a panic test, while attached, each time this unit is targeted by the horse zone, you may replace that zone's effect with this unit performs one charge action. Now, I will go ahead and say that, yeah, it's a straight-up nerf, but this card is so powerful, in my opinion, that I'm okay with this card having a uh, a way for it to fall off. Um, it, uh, you know, because more than likely, you're, you'll activate like round one or something, attach it, and then, you know, hopefully get its use out of it round two or three, and then even if it falls off after that, then, okay, you know, you, you got some, you know, a free charge is uh, off of the horse. Even if you only do it once in the game, the card has made back its value, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. I would say this card is still really powerful. It's still going to have good impact, but it did lose probably its late-game appeal of the power that it can bring uh, because it might have fallen off by then. Um, the card's still good. Like, like you said, free charges are not something just to say is bad off of another zone, that a zone that most armies don't even want to take. Um, it's it's still a very powerful, very versatile card. You're still going to see John a lot. John didn't actually take many nerfs. It's really just the deck that's going to take the big nerf. Yep. So, 
overall, I think this card is definitely fair. Um, so the takeaway, uh, tempered by duty, un unnecessary uh, um, nerf, night gathers, it's fine. Um, other than the fact that I really don't like that it falls off the panic. For the watch, very fair. Uh, take the black. I already hated take the black uh, in the sense that I thought it was way too good. And now it's just bonkers, um, in my opinion, uh, now that it's just more versatile. The rest of the cards, uh, I think if you can make your list be really good with morale, I think the deck will be just fine. But I think that severely limits what you can do. For example, you're you're never going to attach this these cards ever again to a unit like conscripts. Um, I mean, why would you uh, when you know they're going to almost guaranteed fail a panic? Uh, so, I guess that's my short takeaway. Um, let's see. So we can jump into the let's jump into corn half hand the attachment. Is one point, and all they changed, I believe, was uh, his battle scars is now updated to the newest battle scars. Um, but he also has the go down fighting, so he, it makes him insanely good. Like <laughs> uh, battle scars right now is easily worth one point, in my opinion. The ability to reroll dice. Uh, for melee, highest attack die for uh, melee, or give your melee attacks vicious, and get more when you get destroyed un uh, destroyed ranks. It's just an easy one point. The fact, that, I mean, that you also get go down fighting. I would almost argue to say that this would be a okay two point attachment. I know a lot of people have a lot of mixed feelings about two-point attachments, and they got to be, like, insanely good. But, I mean, Battle Scars is so good when you compare it to other things. Because um, you have to think, Battle Scars happening every attack. You know, it's not like an order. It's, you know, and you have the versatility of all three. Um, so, I don't know. I could see him as a uh, an okay two-point attachment. Like, you would probably not see him that much at two points. Maybe never. I don't know. But one point, I would almost seem to say at one point he's like auto-include. But, I don't know, that's just me. What do you think? Uh, I don't think he'd be taken at two points. Yes, battle. Scars is really good. Now, go down fighting those a half-point ability. So you're paying up two points for <laughs> a point and a half. But he is only one point, which makes him definitely above the average of what a one point's going to get. I don't know if he's an auto clue, but I do think there's some really good combos. Um, him in something like um, uh, Torn Brothers to go, okay, I'm thundering. I can be vicious. Oh, you're clicking out of rank? I'll still just be high attack guy, and I got Marco training to give me double rerolls. Um, you, you can do some powerful combos. Vet, uh, if you want to give a keyword to, for, to combine with the precision, and giving rerolls if you want to fish for sixes. Um, you could do a spearman to give them something, a keyword as well, or rerolls to go off of their set for charge. 
Uh, you could even do something like um, uh, Ranger Hunters to go you know, with their double hits in one activation, have one of them be a keyword, you know, that maybe pumps through a little extra damage. All of it could be very useful. I don't think he's auto-included, but I think he's interesting, and you should at least play around with him in casual games to find out if he's competitive, competitively capable. Yep. Well, and we'll get to it in a second because uh, we'll do NCUs next. But uh, with the change to his NCU, I could definitely see him used a lot more. Uh, the problem before was he was, in my opinion, just fine at one point. Uh, but you never really saw him because, you know, almost everyone was always running his NCU because his NCU is insane. Um, so now I think combination of him becoming so much better uh, as the atta one-point attachment opposed to his uh, NCU kind of getting a fairly hefty nerf, um, I think you're, you'll see him played a whole lot more. Uh, so going straight into the NCUs then. We'll start off with Craster. Uh, he's an influence now. Uh, he Each time he influences a unit, remove one condition token. And while you influence that unit, you ignore rough and hindering keywords. Uh, solid NCU, to be totally honest. Um, I mean, I think he's definitely among... He's definitely the weakest of all of the four-point uh, remove a condition token NCUs. But I think, I don't know, um, ignoring rough and hindering is nothing to scoff at. I think uh, you'll find a lot of usage out of him. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, think, he's pretty, I think he's pretty good. I just don't think he's going to be play. I think the other four-point NCUs are just better. Um, I do think if you put them in other factions that don't have a token removal, that, yeah, he, he would definitely see more play. Like, he, he would see play in other factions. I just don't think he will in this faction with the plethora of good four-point NCUs they have. Yeah, you might be right. I think, uh, you know, when you look at, uh, like, Catelyn, um, she just has so much synergy with that highest attack die um, uh, effect in addition to removing the uh, weakened token um, that, you know, that's why you see her so much. Whereas Craster, the secondary effect, I don't know, overall, very solid NCU, but I think you're right, um, as we'll discuss in a second here, some of these other uh, this other options. When you got Amon, and then we'll talk about Sam in a second. You'll see him played once in a while, um, which I think is is fine. Uh, if he needs a buff, he needs a buff. But I think right now uh, he is completely fair at four points. Um, next up, we got Yorin, six points. Uh, and then, if I'm not mistaken, the only change to him was now it's... Um, Oh, man, what is the change? Do you remember? I know it's just a change with the timing in which the unit uh, comes on the board. Essentially, you got I believe a, before uh, you had to. I believe before you had to replace a zone to bring the token or to bring the unit on the board. Now it's just at the start of a round if you have the token. 
which means before he could come in on round three. Uh, now he comes in at the start of round three, uh, the first unit could come up. Uh, and obviously right. now you could get a unit round three, and then you can get another round, uh, unit round five. I mean, you could have two conscripts coming in if your opponent's not taking the crown. Yeah, let's see. So I'll read out the old one. Each time Yorna claims the zone before resolving that zone's effect, place one order token on him. Each time Yorn claims the crown, you may replace that zone's effect with place one order token on Yorn. Each time Yorn claims the zone, you may replace that zone's effect with remove four order tokens from Yorn. If you do, deploy one conscript fully within long range of a friendly uh, table edge. And then his new one is uh, the same where he gets one if he claims his own. Uh, same effect that he gets an additional uh, one if he claims the crown and replace it. And then at the start of any round, you may remove four order tokens from your, and if you do, deploy one conscript fully within long range of a friendly table edge. So yeah, so where the only difference being is you can immediately remove the four order tokens at the start of a round to get the conscripts on rather than have to take Yorn again on his own and replace it to expend all, I think it said replace. Um, see, each time Yorn claims a zone, you may replace the zone's effect with remove four order tokens to deploy the unit. So yeah, uh, Yorn was already, I think, good. He just was missing something. And in my opinion, I think this is it. I think this is exactly what he needed to now, I think, see a lot more play. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think you're definitely going to see an increase in his play. Um, and I do think you could actually look at him even competitively. If you have seven activations and your opponent doesn't see, you know, because you're not going to give out any pack tokens when that uh, conscript unit comes out. That's determined at the start of the game. So you'd be gaining an extra activation that your opponent can't do, and now you have, you know, an edge in the activation thing. Now that's only on equal activations that you're getting that, but it is something, and you're just immediately putting a unit, a fresh unit of 12 models that has supply eight. Um, it, it could be pretty strong, I think, if built, if you build the list for him. Um, which probably yep. means you need more durable units on the field so that they don't die. Um, and you're just looking to come in, maybe put them on a side objective, the, the contrast, and just supply aid and heal everything else. Yeah, I agree. And a nice segue right into the next NCU is Sam and Gilly. Uh, they are no longer tied to each other in the sense that Sam is now four points, Gilly is one point, rather than Sam being five and then Gilly being free. So you can totally take Sam all by himself. But with that said, uh, I'll get into why, like the details of why, but Gilly, even though she's one point, she if you're taking Sam already, in my opinion, Gilly is auto-include, period. So Sam, same thing as before. Uh, he, he increases your hand limit size by one, and you uh, 
start with an extra card at the beginning of the game and you draw an, up to the four cards when refilling your hand. Uh, very strong at four points. Uh, I know, you know, Tyrion has that plus another effect and he's five points, but I think a lot of people really undervalue this effect at only the four point cost, even if it has no other effect in there. Uh, because a lot of times you had to pay that premium to get that plus one, uh, uh, Tactus card, you know, so I think uh, Sam's very strong even just by himself. But then you got Gilly at one point. She can only be taken if you take Sam. Um, does say the Craven Scholar, so it has to be this four-point NCU Sam. Um, she is now, at the start of the game, after drawing your Tactics hand, you may draw one Tactics card, then shuffle one card from your hand into your Tactics deck. It's a, like a one-time mulligan. Uh, a one-card, one-time mulligan at the start of the game, especially because obviously you're taking Sam. You're going to draw four cards. Gilly's going to make you draw, let you draw five, and then you could put your worst card back into the deck. Super strong. Uh, but then her other effect is Samwell's influence. Gilly begins the game with one order token. Each time Gilly claims a zone, after resolving that zone's effect, remove one order token from Gilly. At the end of each round, if Gilly has no order tokens, destroy Gilly. So now, excuse me, uh, it used to be triggered upon her activation. And so there was no like good way to get around the game mechanic and ruling to not have her just die round one. Um, but now the fact that it's only if she claims a zone... The reason she's auto-include is because she is a free pass token. I shouldn't say free. She's one point. But one point to be a pass token all game plus that uh, free uh, one-card mulligan is amazing. And the reason I say a nice segue from Yorin is you can run Yorin, Sam, and Gilly for 11-point package, uh, have your three NCUs, Almost, you know, essentially permanent pass token, use her right when you need her. Not only that, if she does die, um, you're only awarding one point of a unit destroyed. Not that it really affects the game itself, but, you know, if you're worried about giving up units uh, destroyed to your opponent for tiebreakers in the overall uh, tournament. But also, she's amazing for uh, facing Tyene or... You know, um, I, feel, I feel like there's one more effect where, like, if you take a zone, um, yeah, it does something really bad. Uh, but, like, to the NCU, but still, like, oh, you got that poisoned effect. You might lose out on your, uh, um, what should we call it? You might lose out on your gilly, the pass token thing, but eating up a five-point unit's main effect, or a five-point NCU's main effect is huge. Not that you see a lot of Tyene, but I think uh, I think that's a conversation for another day, but I think Tyene's a little underrated at the moment with that plus-one heal that she got uh, in the last uh, patch. But anyways, uh, what do you think? Do you What do you think of that three-NCU uh, combo right there? Oh, that'd probably work pretty well. Uh, you'd still have 29 points to put into your unit, so you could still have pretty strong units to go with it, and you'd be at seven activations. And, yeah, if you want, then round three, if your opponent's not taking the crown and you just keep taking with Yorn, 
you know, I've ate at, uh, you know, five combat units from dropping a conscript unit. Uh, could work yep. pretty well. Um, <clears throat> we'll see how it works out. Uh, I do like Sam at four points. I do think that's fair when you compare him to, like, Kyrion and go, hey, Kyrion has, has the, the extra counter pot, pot, possibility that makes him worth the five points. Um, Gilly, I, I do question, was this intended for her to be a permanent pass token? I don't know. Um, but right now, Nightwatch is not entirely in a great spot, so I'm okay with them having it. <laughs> um, but I do wonder if, like, an update comes that fixes some of the issues that now Nightwatch will have if they also look to fix her to be not... Because it almost feels unsportsmanlike to be like, okay, I'm just going to pass with her every time so I never trigger her death effect. I, I feel like they didn't intend for that to be how it gets used. But that's how it's going to get used now, and you absolutely should, as a Nightwatch player, use that effect. Um, use that well, little loophole, I suppose. I think there there's, like, two different things you could do with that. One is, excuse me, you give her, I don't know, let's say three order tokens. And... Uh, that way, she has to be used by the end of round three. So what you, I mean, it might be a lot of text, and this is just me spitballing, but you say she starts the game with three order tokens. At the end of every round, remove an order token. And then if she were to claim a zone, remove all order tokens. And then there you go. If you claim a zone... You remove all her tokens. You're gonna. She's gonna be removed at the end of the round. If you keep waiting and waiting and waiting, then she's eventually going to just go away anyways. So you're only gonna be able to use her pass effect round one and two. Uh, and I guess you could pass with her round three, but then you're not claiming a zone with her. Um, and I think that might be the easiest and simplest way to, you know to kind of prevent this, you know, pa uh, permanent pass token. Because passing round one and two, not a big deal, in my opinion, usually. Like, of all the games I've played, rarely has passing round one or two ever made a difference. It's really round three, four, five. Usually by six, things so much has been killed that it doesn't matter in six either. Sometimes even five. I think three and four is when it really matters uh, from my experience. I mean, perhaps I'm sure there's multiple options they could look at if this wasn't intent. I'm just saying right yeah. now, because their Nightwatch, I think, is not in a good spot, exploit this as much as you can if you want to. Um, because you need that event. You need some, you know, some help. Um, just be aware that this could get changed in the future, I, I think. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, anytime you're taking Sam, take her. It, it's an auto-include, one point. Yep. Well, that, like I was saying, with those three together, Yorin, if you can get a conscript on early enough, then... Um, you know, Yorin's basically a two-point NCU. So this three NCU package is only seven points. 
Now, granted, Gilly is a pass token, essentially. She's not going to be claiming every round, but you know what I mean. Still, it... Constant think, for five points. Oh, so yeah, they are five now, aren't they? <laughs> so, yeah, one point for Yorin, which makes you wonder if maybe Yorin is way too good now. Because I know when... Weren't Conscripts four points when he was first introduced? Or am I just making that up? I believe so, but they were busted, so they had to change them. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure there are four points, So, and that's when Yorin was introduced. Now I, I question, now that I'm thinking about it, I almost think that uh, Yorin is, might be too good. But I don't know. It's, that's, it's a big assumption since he's not played that often, so we'll see. I, I'm excited to kind of maybe get some Night's Watch playing in now that I don't feel, I wouldn't feel absolutely horrible for playing them with all their nerfs. So we'll see. Um, I would me. also so, say opponents ahead. should be aware of Yorn and know, hey, I need to stop the crown at least once in round one or two. Like, don't let oh, them yeah. have it round three. So <laughs> be aware of it if you're playing against Yorn. Take the crown, even if it's not your, your best move at the moment. Just take it at least once in round one or two to stop it from happening round three. Yep. Well, and you're almost, like, incentivized to want to go first, first turn, or first round, because the last thing you want to do is uh, go first, second round, and be forced to make your very first action taking that crown. Um, I feel like you would just lose a lot of tempo. Um, doing that. Whereas now your opponent, you know, that way if you go first, you just take the crown as your first action. Even if you have like a replace NCU. And now they go first, second round, and now they have to lose the tempo by putting Yorin on the crown. Because uh, if they don't take, if you, if, uh, if you let your opponent take the crown back to back, like, it's going to take you a very long time to trigger Yorin. So, all right. Next up, and lastly, we have Corrin Halfhand, uh, super nerf. <laughs> but with that said, I think he is completely fair at five points. Um, so he, I'll start with his influence. Uh, it's a lot simpler. He can influence a uh, combat unit. Uh, until the end of the round, when influencing a friendly cavalry or infantry unit, it gains plus one attack die. Um, I think super useful, uh, strong influence effect. Um, very happy with the influence. And now his his sacrifice for the cause has finally changed to not be the most frustrating, you know, from the most frustrating thing probably in the game to something I think is uh, a lot more fair which is at the start of the turn, if Corrin is not on the tactics board, you may destroy him. If you do, target one enemy unit, that enemy becomes vulnerable and cannot perform attack or charge actions this round. Um, completely fine with that change. Uh, at least you can do things like run away and not be obliterated. Um, I mean, because you are sacrificing a five-point NCU. But just like Tywin or any of these other NCUs similar, you really are going to wait for a key moment um, to use it to maximize its effect. But uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about Corrin here? 
Yeah, I think he's fair. Uh, I don't think he'll be auto-include anymore, which was the problem that we were seeing. Um, his influence, it got a slight nerf of you lost one movement in addition to the plus one attack die. And is it now just melee attack die, or is it all attacks? No, it's all attacks, but lost the movement. So it's just okay. plus one die. Okay, so just attacks. lost the movement. Okay. So it still can work really well on Ranger Hunters to give them plus two dice for their double hitting in one activation. Um, it still is a really Which good makes sense because he's a ranger. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a good influence on it, though. Like, it, it really is. And the once per game, it's not as punitive and feels bad for your opponent, which was the issue of your opponent not being able to do anything. Um, this also allows your opponent to actually activate. They didn't lose an activation during this. They just can't attack or charge. They have to maneuver or retreat or, you know, do something else, right? I'm reading it right. Say that again. I was thinking you don't what? lose an activation, correct, with this now, with the on his sacrifice? Let's see. At the start of the turn, if Korn is not on the tax board, you may destroy him. So, yeah, uh, you could destroy him and then... Um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking your opponent. Your opponent doesn't lose their activation anymore. They now can still activate. They just have to maneuver, march, or retreat. Oh, yes. They, yes. Know they can't attack or charge. That's a big deal for them. Yep. That was an annoying part when you're like, I literally can't do anything. This unit's just stuck here doing nothing the entire round. Um, they now can do things. Um, say they're not near an objective, and they're like, hey, I just need to take the free maneuver and then my activate maneuver and I can still get to an objective and play a role in this round. Um, I, I still think it's fair, and there still will be critical moments when you want to use his Corrin's ability to stop a unit from it. Like, you need to keep your unit alive or something. Um, well, and I think, I think a, a very strong play even with this is you know it's the last round. What do you have to do now? All you have to do, you trigger him last round, Let's say even if it's round five, I don't know, last round because they've called no, no new rounds, you vulnerable their unit that's on an objective. You then activate a unit and charge their unit. Do a bunch of damage. It doesn't even matter if you do no, no damage. When they activate, they have to retreat off that objective. They have to. They can't attack you, and they have no other option. So I think uh, this could still be huge. Um, if you're just if you're looking for oh. the moments and key things to to make it work, and your opponent has counterplay, what if they've overlapped the objective enough that they can retrieve the one inch? There's nothing now you can do. You have to plan for that for both sides now. So it's not just an auto. Oh, I'll just shut your unit down, and now you can't do anything. You're stuck. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's uh, still a lot of usefulness out of him. I, I do. I. Even though I think he's very fair at five points, I really do think, though, that not really going to see him. Uh, I think Yorin is just so much better at one, with one more point. Uh, granted, he provides a completely different role. But then you got now, now you got Sam at that four points with that Gilly combo. Uh, you know, Donald is still amazing. Um, Amon at four points. I don't know. I think you'll see him probably just as much you're going to see Craster. Um you know, they're both going to be in lists. And I encourage everyone to, you know, mess around with both of them. 
uh, I think, uh, be uh, pleasantly surprised. So, all right. We got four units to cover real quick, so we can move on to Greyjoys. Uh, we got the Scorpion and the Stone Thrower. Uh, be totally honest, I can't remember what changed with them other than their morale is now not, like, immortal. Uh, they have five up morales for both of them. Do believe uh, the Stone Thrower got rid of the crazy, like, if you miss, they take a weird panic test thing. Now it's just simply the Rock Valley is vicious, uh, cannot attack solo units, may, at uh, may attack enemies regardless of range and line of sight. If this attack generates any hits, instead of rolling defense dice, the defender suffers one wound plus one wound for each of its remaining ranks. Uh, four dice, or two dice hitting on fours. Um, still eight points. I don't know. Uh, with that five up morale, and you got things like Melisandre and just all these good outflanking units. I just, uh, I don't know. I think it's a lot more fair. I think it's still a feels bad unit that I don't really care for in that regard. Oh, it's movement. I think, I don't recall it being this way, but its movement is a one. Uh, and it still can't m march, if I'm not mistaken. No, I think it can march now. Uh, can't gain condition tokens, can't hold objectives, six wounds. Yeah, there's nothing that says it can't march or even, uh, can't charge, retreat, or shift. So, yeah, you can march two inches. Um, so, uh, I think fine change. Um, I think it was way too good, uh, before. I mean, a lot of people probably have a different opinion about that, but I hated facing this thing. Um, absolutely hated it. I had to face two, I got super lucky. I had to face two of them at national, or at, uh, yeah, nationals, and I somehow won both of the games. Uh, it was just aggravating the whole time. Um, and then the Scorpion, again, I, reading through this, and I'm pretty sure the only change to it was, uh, I think it's move, it, it says it's move is a four. I think it was a five before, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, uh, its morale is now a five. I don't necessarily think that the Scorpion was that good that it needed the, uh, nerf, but, uh, Maybe I just haven't played against it enough. What's your thought on these two guys here? Uh, I think these are both fine changes. Uh, the issue with the war machines has always been that they're polarizing. They're either really good or they're kind of trash. But now I'd say they're somewhere in between. I, I still could see scorpions being taken. I could see maybe one stone thrower to provide long range. Um, but I don't think it's good for the game for these to be good because uh, it's, it's not a feels good ever for the opponent, which is never a good thing. Um, that's just kind of my thoughts. This is fine. I'm not really worried about seeing them and go from there. <laughs> yep. All right. So next up we have uh, cold hands, another much needed change. Way too good. Uh, I want to say they reduced his attack dice from 6 to 5, and then uh, I 
think they reduced his morale from a 2 to a 3. That part I could be wrong about. But I do know the biggest change is he only comes back one time. Kill him. Uh, you can redeploy him once at the start of the next round. Uh, fully within short range of any flank table edge. Or uh, full... Oh, yeah, so it has to be a flank table edge. can't be your own uh, edge. A um, million times better. I still don't really care for the fact that he comes back. I, I don't. Until they change the tiebreaker to be uh, points killed rather than points remaining on table, I don't like, you know, I've really grown to hate everything that comes back to life. Um, it's just, it makes it too hard for the tiebreaker of missions that are like, okay, well, count up, you know, you tied in victory points, all right, who has the most on the board? It's like, well, I guess they do because they got eight free points of stuff because they're, or whatever, just automatically does that. I'd rather just be, who killed more stuff, you know, um, and, you know, even if somehow you've killed the exact same amount, okay, then make the next one be points on table. I don't know. That's just my little gripe. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on cold hands here? Yeah, this was a necessary change, but I don't feel like it's going to change a whole lot, honestly, because I feel like the, the better nice luck players probably weren't just throwing corn away multiple times in a game anyway. Like, he probably was only dying once. Anyway, so I, I don't think it's going to change the play of him very much other than he lost one attack die, and I do agree. I think he lost one morale. But free up morale, you still should, unless there's heavy modifiers hitting you, that'll still never matter. Um, so it's fine. We'll see if it shakes out well. Um, all right, and then the last uh, change, which uh... – let me, yeah, his morale, I was just checking. Yeah, his morale used to be a two-up. Uh, and then let me just check the watch marshal. Because this one, I can't find it. Um, I'm going to go to their uh, cards here. Or not their cards, um, their... Um, Article. That's what I was trying to say. See, is it for updates? And it should be in the notes. So bear with me. I believe it was he had adaptive planning, and now he has capital reposition. And I believe his bubble of plus one attack die in short range also gained minus one from failing panic test. Minus one wound from failing panic test. I believe those were the two changes. Um. Yeah. Weirdly enough, it just says watch marshal. Changes to watch marshal. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm reading that correct. Um, so I think you are right. I think... Uh, uh, okay, I can't find it. All right, yeah. Um, got the minus one wound from failing panic tests. I would love to have seen that just be plus one to morale um, or plus one to panic. Maybe not even just morale. Plus one to panic tests. Um, so kind of like how Iron Resolve only applies to panic tests. Um, that way, at least the Watch Marshal could be that piece that you add that is going to help you keep those attached cards. Because um, I'm 
currently I am a lot less concerned with losing extra wounds as I am to just failing that panic test outright. Because um, normally that minus one wound would be better, in my opinion. Uh, especially because their morale is already, you know, a five up uh, on a lot of things. But the fact that I really don't want to be losing these attached cards, I'd much rather just be plus one, you know, basically emboldened. Uh, so... I don't know. Uh, I think he's good. Um, and what did you say you had other over tactical reposition? What uh, thingy? I can't remember if the attachment or this version had had or uh, adaptive planning. It might be the attachment that had the adaptive planning. Now that I think about it. Yeah, it's the attachment. I'm pretty sure he already had tactical reposition. I could be wrong too. I cannot seem to find a picture online or, uh, and of course there. Um, uh, thing does not say. Anyways, with that said, uh, you know, to wrap up Night's nice Watch, I think Watch Marshall is nice at four points. Um, I don't know how often I would run him, though. Uh, I don't think he's, like, that great, but I think he has this place. Uh, for the Night's nice Watch players out there, I know it's a lot of doom and gloom, it's a lot of uh, nerfs, but I think uh, there's definitely some hidden uh, gems in there. So definitely try exploring avenues that you've never explored before with the Night's Watch. That's what I'm excited to do uh, and try out. Um, I think they just have a different play style now. And what that play style is, uh, the only way to really find out is the more people we have try it out, the faster we'll find it so that everyone else can kind of get on board and start having some fun with them. All right, did you have any final thoughts on them, or are you good to go into Great Joyce? Uh, just quick. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. The play style has changed. It's no longer uh, your newer player or low skill friendly. It is now a you have to I, – th I think it's actually now a higher skill play than, than most factions um, to use it well for, like, competitive events. Um which is something that should be somewhat exciting for veteran Night's Watch players. It does suck because that was one of the factions that when new players started, you'd go, Night's Watch might be the faction to start with because it's so... Yeah. And now it's... It's going to be... Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, so it, it's going to be an adjustment for the new play stuff. I agree. I think uh, Night's Watch was always, you know, my go-to when referring to, like, the number one faction to play for a new player who wanted something super simple. Um, now I would probably say that's more than likely Baratheons. Not that they were necessarily anywhere near on the same level as Night's Watch in that regard, but um, I think it's going to take a lot more uh, skill to play Night's Watch than they used to be. Um, I feel like a lot of the things for Night's Watch before just kind of fell in place, and now you kind of have to really work for it. <clears throat> All right, so uh, going over Greyjoys. So Greyjoys, uh, I absolutely love most of the changes. As most of you already know, Greyjoys is my second favorite faction 
you know, art sometimes maybe first. I, I kind of go back and forth between my, my Martells and Greyjoys being my favorite. But let's jump right into uh, the easy changes, which is the attachments, uh, Victorian Commander attachment, and then uh, Dagmir uh, Cleftjaw one-point attachment guards and overrun. Victorian's overrun, you can now march or charge after destroying a unit. And then Dagmir uh, getting that battle scars for one point, uh, making him very, very strong at one point, in my opinion. Um, I'd say, you know, I'd argue to say that battle scars is like one and a half point ability, just when you compare it to a lot of other uh, effects out there that you have to pay that same one point for. But, you know, that's me. Um, I f whenever I see battle scars now, I almost, you know, if it's on a one point uh, anything, it's almost like if I have the, if I'm putting an attachment somewhere, that's like one of my first options now. And then the overrun, again, amazing change, giving it a lot more versatility, a lot more usefulness, because I can't tell you how many times overrun ends up not even doing anything. Uh, then... Let's see. Next up, let's uh, let's knock out the tactics cards real quick. There's only three of them. We got arguably the worst card like ever. <laughs> um, the Iron Price changing to be at the start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit and choose one. That unit may re uh, remove one condition token. You may remove one pillage token from that unit. If you do, it restores two wounds plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. Or that unit's attack uh, that unit attacks using its highest attack die value this turn. You may remove one pillage token from that unit. If you do, it may re-roll any attack dice. Uh, amazing, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about them after after I go over all of them. But I absolutely love the change to that one. Finger dance. Again. Uh, uh, card that was not very good uh, once they changed it to melee only. There's just too many times where, you know, uh, finger dance was basically, you were playing a card to potentially give either of you an advantage. The only advantage you had was determining where the card went. Outside of that, you know, there's just as much of a chance of your opponent getting the benefit as you. Now it's start of a friendly turn. Target one friendly combat unit, attach it uh, to them until the end of the game while attached when performing a melee attack before attack dice are rolled. The attacker may suffer up to two wounds. For each wound suffered, choose one. The defender becomes panicked. The defender becomes vulnerable. Uh, and the other option, or the last option is this attack may reroll any attack dice. And last up, we got rating call. Um, I don't even know why this thing needed to change, but uh, or, you know, or I think, did this one get a nerf? Let's see. So, when a friendly graduate uh, infantry... Uh, this one being... Okay. Uh, when a friendly graduate infantry unit activates, remove up to three models and up to one pillage token from one other friendly graduate unit, infantry unit, in long range, remove one plus that many wounds to this unit and place the remove pillage token on the unit. 
any player controls the bag, one friendly gradual unit, infantry unit gains one pillage token. So I think uh, they yeah. added inf infantry in there um, wherever they could. Uh, uh, they added infantry in there wherever they could um, to prevent things like uh, the drowned men. And uh, so, the, but they also gave it the buff of you're you're basically doing supply aid because you're removing three models, but then you restore up to three models, and then you restore one plus that many to another friendly uh, unit in long range. Um, so I think it's fine. Um, so all these cards in general just made the Greyjoid Gray Tactics deck go from really good to absolutely phenomenal. Easily the two worst cards in the deck, uh, which was the Iron Price and Finger Dance, went from worst cards in the deck to cards you want to see, you know, a lot. Rating call, in my opinion, um, you know, reading through it a little more, uh, buff. Uh, I mean, me personally, I was never really using it for the other stuff. The fact that now that I can remove three models to heal four is just a straight buff for me um, with the way I play. Uh, super excited about the tactics cards. I think, uh, yeah, it's. I would put Greyjoy's tactics deck as arguably one of the best decks uh, in the game. Uh, what are your thoughts, Spence? Uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, the deck You uh, cut out. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So the deck was, in my opinion, just okay to good before. These changes to their worst cards make it now really good, excellent. Um, yeah, all the changes were really good. They're really useful. Uh Greyjoy's definitely got a buff from the tactics deck getting improved. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, and uh, just a second. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so I think uh, this deck is but I mean that's just initial thoughts. I have not played Greyjoys yet. Um you know, there's so many things I want to try out that um I don't know. <laughs> it'll come in time. Uh you know, I play every faction, uh some more than others, but I play them all, I ha I own them all and I enjoy them all to some degree. Um so uh, I'm excited to try them out. Uh all right, now on to the NCUs. We got uh, Aaron Greyjoy. Now, I talked about him when Greyjoys got, like, their last big change and became just absolutely insanely good, in my opinion. Uh, and with the nerf to Wendemir and um, uh, Eric, or at least in most people's opinion, the nerf to Eric, I thought he got better. It was like a lateral change. But anyways, um, and then the nerf to Baron, um, Aaron, you know, I mentioned in, in that uh, 
episode that I think he was really good. Like he was making most of all of my lists. Um because, you know, he he's just really good. He just wasn't auto include the way some of these other NCs were. But they went ahead and buffed him anyways and I sure, I'll take it. Uh but now he is when influencing a unit when that unit performs an action before resolving that action, it restores one wound. Each time it destroys an enemy rank with a melee attack, it restores one wound. So is basically fueled by slaughter, um, almost. But uh, yeah, obviously it doesn't get the one plus one for every wound. But before, in order to get like additional healing outside of each action, you had to kill the unit. So, I mean, some would argue it's a lateral change because healing the way you did with, uh, I mean, I guess you're only losing out on one wound um, with the uh, killing someone and healing. So, yeah, I think it's just a straight-up buff. Uh, he's just absolutely amazing. Um, I've been playing around with stuff. If you put him on a unit, I think I mentioned it before. We were talking about the cell swords. Or no, I guess he he can only influence Greyjoy units, so scratch that. But still, let's just say you put him in a unit that already has Field by Slaughter uh, and you kill a unit. I mean, the amount of healing is going to be insane. Like, especially if you run, don't forget the combo, that you can run Aaron Greyjoy with Jacken, and then now Jacken does not adhere to he doesn't adhere to the only influencing Greyjoy units. So and then you can jack in, uh, you know, a unit of whatever, you know, the sellsword. If you have uh, jack and influence the sellsword, who also has fueled by slaughter, I mean, you could be healing like in so many wounds off attacks that, you know, it won't, you know, it won't matter how many wounds your opponent's doing to you if they're not just straight up one shotting you. Uh, what do you think, Spence? Yeah, I think he's really good. Uh, you should play around with him if you're a Greyjoy player, if you haven't already. He was good before. This just makes him even better. Uh, you're going to see him a lot. Uh, I know you did it to me with doing a Theon Greyjoy one-point attachment for a Swift Strike uh, with him combo, because then you're just like, okay, I attack, I heal one. Oh, now with my Swift Strike, I retreat. I'm going to heal another one. Uh, Greyjoys just have so much healing in their deck, in their deck and in their army. It's absurd. They did not need this boss, but they got it. So let's see how it goes from there. Yeah, I agree. Um, super excited, uh, you know, but also kind of worried <laughs> that he's going to be way too good. Um, all right, next up we got Baron Blacktide. Awesome change. Uh, he's four points. Um, he still has hardened, but uh, you know, in my opinion, before he was, I hate to use the word garbage, um, hardened isn't that, you know, it's not that bad. But in the grand scheme of NCUs and what you can take and this and that, I had never once even considered taking him ever in any list at any point because hardened, I, you know, even though I think it's a lot more fair than it used to be, it's hard to even justify justify hardened at one point unless the combo, you know, like let's say a one point attachment, um, 
it's hard to even justify that unless it just combos with whatever you're putting it in really well. Anyways, Baron now has uh, uh, each time an enemy – sorry, my screen just went black. So while influencing a friendly unit, that unit may reroll any morale test dice and gains the hardened ability. Rerolling any morale test dice. He does not like – he doesn't fall off when you fail a panic test, if I'm not mistaken. He just simply is reroll all your morales for the rest of the round while he's on that unit. Again, um, it's – you could uh, – run Baron, Aaron, and Jacken, and now you can either double up Aaron for the offense or double up Baron for the defense. Um, you know, it's uh, an amazing four-point NCU. What's your, uh, what do you think about Baron here? Uh, I think he might be better than he won. He was five points and was giving resilience as a <laughs> as an yeah. influence. Because at least the resilience could fall off with a failed panic on a faction that wasn't very good with morale. Um yeah, this is this is bonkers. On a faction that honestly once they get one pillage token on their units, their morale is kind of okay. It's not bad anymore. Um and now they get to reroll it. Yeah, this is this is stupid good for four points. Greyjoys are definitely running into the realm of are their NCU options just too good in general? Yep. Well, that and, you know, going on to the next one, Asha, another amazing influence. Uh, each time Asha influences a unit, remove one condition token from that unit. And then when influencing a friendly unit, uh, that unit gains plus one morale for each uh test rolls for each pillage token. Each time you passes a morale test, target one enemy is engaged with. That enemy suffers one hit for each pillage token on this unit. So, um, see, okay, yeah. I uh, just wanted to reread that in my head. So, removing a condition token is always amazing. It just comes down to what's the other effect and that, uh, um, plus two to morale for having two pillage, and then bouncing back two hits onto your opponent. I know that's not as amazing as um, maybe some other effects out there, like auto wounds and whatnot, but I think uh, I think it just has a different role. You know, one auto wound, let's say from stubborn tenacity, is a lot more useful against higher armor stuff, but if you have a bunch of, you know, like uh, squishy targets, I'd rather have a bunch of hits just constantly being bounced at the at them, you know, just weight of dice. Um, so I I like her change. Um, I know she had kind of a different ability before, but I like, you know, you could argue that her old ability is better than this particular part of her ability, but I think the icing on the cake is the removing of that condition token. What do you think? So, why are all these NCUs getting the remove a token ability? And then I still have the crappy Shira and Baratheon who has to take a zone <laughs> just to remove a token and do nothing else. 
Um, okay, rant aside, um, she's still really like she's good. She, it's again, the issue is starting to become that uh, Greyjoys have not really any bad options. Um, I mean, right now you could say what? What? What's their worst option? Tristan Botany or or Wendemir because he hasn't gotten another change yet. Um, it's it's getting crazy. Yep. Uh, I agree. Um, now it's, I mean, there's something to be said about uh, having too many good options. I mean, that, that's definitely a problem a lot of people would like to have. But uh, um, well, I'd also I think, point uh, out one other thing. And we're, we're starting to almost run into free folk territory where it's just like you're covering up all the weaknesses of this faction. Like, you're getting to that point where you have an answer to an issue that the faction has. Yeah. Um, I think Greyjoys uh, are in a great spot to kind of do do it all if they need to. Um, there's just a lot of things Greyjoys can do now. Uh, but I do like the fact that... Um, this Asha is so good and that the Warcry Asha got the, you know, the nerfs that she got. Um, so now you might actually see this Asha a lot more. Uh, and then, you know, the the Commander Asha is good. So other than arguably the two-point Asha attachment, um, all the other Ashas are great options um, to choose from. And I think ultimately that might be why you'll see, even though she's good, when compared to Aaron, Baron, and some of the other NCUs, that's why you'll probably see Asha a lot less than some of these other NCUs. Not because she's not as good, but just because you have her other options that you limit yourself from taking if you're taking her as an NCU. All right. So lastly for the NCUs, we have uh, Botley. So for Botley, um, we got... Uh, he did get a um, Botley did get a uh, nerf, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he is now once per game when enemy NCU activates, you may select two taxes zones. If that NCU claims either zone, this activation target up to two enemy combat units. They become panicked and vulnerable. And also as once per game, when an enemy NCU activate, if Trist, uh, if Botley is not on the tactics board, you may select one tactics zone. If the NCU claims that zone this turn, at the end of the turn, you may activate uh, Botley. So uh, now that I'm mentioning it, I think he actually uh, got a buff. I think it was his last change where he got the um, nerf. Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, I believe what changed here is the first half of that first ability of the Panicked and Vulnerable, that stayed the same. It's only the second ability that changed. And his other ability was, I believe, he selected the zone and both players counted as controlling it, I believe. He wasn't very good, so you almost never saw him or thought about him. Um, so I, I, I'm not entirely sure what he used to be. Uh, that was just my thought of what he used to be. Yeah, I mean, right now I do like him at four points. I think he definitely falls short of everyone we just talked about 
and even some of the other ones that we haven't that didn't get a change but are just options. But I, I think it would be unfair to say that he's bad. I think he's actually pretty good. Um, even just if you're running three NCUs, um, I think he's powerful against the mirror. And I say mirror as in uh, if they if your opponent also has three NCUs, this once per game when enemy active enemy NCU activates, if he's not on the tactics board, and they uh, you can select one tactics zone on the round where your opponent goes first, and they select swords, or I mean you they'll activate NCU. You can target the sword so that they can't hit you, potentially. And if they still do take it, you then take Botley on the bags, which will then heal from that attack. And that's all free. It's now your activation. Uh, or wait, hang on. If NCU claims zone turn this turn at the end of the turn. Yeah. So he isn't your activation. He just activates, meaning you can get two NCUs in a row, meaning you'll have four, assuming you play six rounds, you'll have four rounds out of the six where you're going to get to place all three of your NCUs, and they're going to have to pass. That in itself, I think, is really strong. Not to mention his other effect once per game. If you're selecting two zones, again, you can select the swords and, let's say, the bags or something, and a crucial round, and now they're going to have to avoid those. And because if they do, you're you're handing out four tokens. That's two enemy combat units become panicked and vulnerable. That's huge, in my opinion. Even for something like Bowman shooting you, uh, you know, six dice hitting on fours not, might not be insane, but six dice hitting on fours when you're panicked and vulnerable uh, from a four-point Bowman unit. I mean, that's you know, that's a best case scenario. You know, imagine now it's you're getting charged in the flank or something from uh critical blow uh uh iron makers or, you know, silencemen, whatever the case may be. So I think he has a lot of use uh, he's very useful, uh very good, uh a solid uh control piece. I think the other pieces that we mentioned are just so good that that's why he kinda seems outshined. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say part of the issue is what's his role supposed to be in the faction, because the faction doesn't have a whole lot of control. Um, so I could see that's where he struggles, whereas the other ones are more, you know, universally useful versus him being situationally useful. Um, like you said, I do think it's going to be in the 3 NCU. Against another 3 NCU would be where he shines. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's another tool in the arsenal, I guess. Uh, so it, it is what it is, and they have plenty of options to work with. Where if you're if you're running a three NCU, he could be fine as your third. I don't think you take him though if you only have two NCUs. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think he's perfect for a three NCU list. You're already, you know, in that case, you know, because he doesn't have to take a zone to do his. Well, I mean. His second effect will get you to take a zone, like I was mentioning with that strategy, but his other effect doesn't require him to take a zone. So he's a perfect uh, third NCU option for that case, uh, scenario. As I mentioned plenty of times before, um, a lot of times 
when you're doing three NCUs, that third NCU, a lot of times you want at least one of your three NCUs having effects that don't need you to be on the board. Because now you can, against another three NCU list, you can really get, other than the fact of not being able to take a zone, you can really get the full effectiveness of your NCUs um, still, at least from their ability part. And then him in particular, again, he, he's going to give you that one extra round where you're going to get all, all three zones that you want, or, you know, or activate and get three zones of the five, um, whereas your opponent's only going to get two rounds. And who knows? Even Let's say you only play to round five and you're already going one, three, and five. You can do it. You can let like, you know, go ahead and take round two. But now I'm going to get round one, three, four, five uh, to get all of three of my NCUs on the board. And that could be huge. Um, all right. So next up we got the units. Uh, I had to pull up the uh, change here. Let's see. So Drowned Men. They had changes to the Drowned Gods uh, fanatics. Um, so it is now... Uh, they only have three wounds because, uh, let's see, they can only take one wound from failed panic tests. They only suffer one wound for every two unblocked hits from any attack or effect. So if I'm not mistaken, they used to have four wounds. They now only have three. That's my guess because I know the other stuff didn't change. So uh, as you can probably tell, I have almost... Four-point unit. What was that? I said they, uh, yes, they seem to have changed just uh, the wounds down to three from four, which, in my opinion, is a fair nerf. It is a nerf. But it's a fair nerf just because they were stupidly durable for a four-wound unit that's only also four points. So yep. I'm okay with change. It made sense to me. I agree. Uh, I think these guys were too much of a roadblock and support piece. Um, I can't, you know, I've only used them a couple times. I mean, two or three times, but uh, in the grand scheme of how much I've played Greyjoys, that's like nothing. Um, and two of those three games, I've charged into Flayed Men and I just sit there and laugh. Like, that was back when they had the four wounds just sit there and laugh as they heal and then the flayed men can't do enough damage and uh and just go you know look at your eight nine point unit can't do anything because my four point unit and then i out activate you so i just wait until you try to retreat i charge you again it's it was a little silly um i think overall great change uh uh for this unit um, all right, let's go on to a uh, more simpler change, if I'm not mistaken. The uh, Harlaw Reapers, uh, they have, let's see, the Reapers, um, their Reapers fervor changed. It is now each time this unit performs a melee attack, before rolling attack dice, this unit has two pillage. The defender becomes panicked, and if they fail the panic test, uh, they suffer one extra wound. Um, a nice change. Uh, I do. 
I think it was the last patch, but you know they went from that seven five four. They're now seven six four for their dice. Uh, overall, great unit uh, for six points. Um, still, uh, still kind of missed the, what they previously used to be, but I think they're really good. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that they don't see more play, especially because that one pillage uh, puts them to that five up morale, um, make them a five five pretty durable, you know, in the grand scheme, and with all that potential healing with the prey on fear. What do you think about this uh, small change to them? Yeah, I really like it. Uh, the attack on death, if you have two village tokens, just always felt weird to me. So this feels like a lot more useful once you get to do it and incentivizes you to get two on quickly just so you can make the attacks far more stronger and trigger prey on here a lot easier. I think um, uh, I think they really are trying to, this is just my thought, I think they're really trying to push, you know, one point you're on with these guys or something. Start with two uh, pillage, um, you know, the, and really, you know, push through that panic token to, for that prey on fear with the vicious, plus one wound, um, but that's just my thought. All right, next up we have the Ironborn Trappers. They have changed to be, um, I'm not mistaken, the only change, which is huge in my opinion, is that their Trappers tools is start of any turn, target one enemy within short and line of sight of this unit, they become vulnerable or weakened. If this unit has two pillage, they become both instead. Because before it was one token for every pillage. And I can't remember if it was within short. I thought it had to be engaged. Um, either way, the fact that you get one automatically uh, is big. Um, because now uh, I had it happen to me, which was, you know, even though it kind of sucked in the moment, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, they charged me with their trappers and then start of any turn, so start of my turn, they then weakened me um, with that disrupt. You know, it uh, it's a nice, uh, it allows you to be a lot more aggressive with the trappers, um, especially if you want them engaged anyways. I think this is perfect. Um, and then, you know, if you're lucky enough, I mean, chances are you're, I mean, average chances are you're not probably going to take off a rank unless they get an un, unlucky uh, panic test um, to give yourself a pillage. That way at the start of their turn, you can give them, or no, you'd need two pillage. So it would take a bit to, for these guys to really get two pillage. And then there's so many other things that you'd want to have two pillage that these guys were always kind of the last to get pillage. So their previous version, even just having one pillage on these guys, you felt like, man, is one token placing with their tools really worth it? Um, whereas I could have it someplace else. And then you never really got to see their trapper's tools take effect. Now that you just get one, um, make these guys a lot more useful um, and uh, at four points. Um, what are your thoughts on the trappers here? Uh, I think they're interesting. Uh, they're more usable now. Uh, 
They were kind of a unit that was cheap, but really not durable. Um, they still are that way. But now you at least can do some more support than what you used to do. Before, you having to be engaged is kind of limited because then your opponent would just attack them and try to kill them to get the victory point for victory through combat. Um, this will help. It'll allow them to support a little. Agreed. Um, I'm excited to try them out. Uh, all right. Then we have the nerf to silenced men. Silenced men uh, lost. Uh, let's see. So their silen silences, the silences infamy. If the unit has two pillage token, the enemies in short range suffer minus one to morale test rolls. So no longer is it uh, minus one for every pillage, and then they take a minus one damage for every pillage. That's all taken away. They remain. They regain. They retained dauntless. They retained the sundering with the super sundering at two pillage, uh, and then the basically they'll have the minus one bubble um, if they have two pillage. So they have two effects if they have two pillage, minus one bubble and the extra minus one to defense rolls. Um, I think. Oh, and uh, they lost to morale. They are now a six up morale. Overall, I think very fair change. I think these guys are still great at seven points. They're not. They're no longer auto take at seven points. Um, I mean, they were so ridiculously good at before that you, know, you could just run an army of these guys and not have to sweat it. Uh, and they were so incredibly difficult to move um, once you got two pillage on them. Like it was, you had to eat through their armor. And even then, there's just so much healing in Greyjoys. What do you think about this change? This was a necessary change. This unit was just too good, and it was the clear-cut auto-take. Um, you would take this unit over Greyjoy, or uh, sorry, not Greyjoy. You would take this unit over Golden Company Swordsmen when they were busted. Like, yep. this, this unit was, was incredible. I, and, yes, yeah, they definitely hit the nerf hammer. Um, the minus one to morale, they might feel it before they get pillage token, but I think they'll be okay. Five morale is still really good once they get the first pillage token. Um, and Dauntless will still make them fairly survivable, um, at least more survivable than you, you would expect them to be because they're passing the panic all the time in Moralta. Uh, but the hit to their bubble, it's, they're, they're no longer a support, or their supporting option is no longer there. They are now a straight-to-damage dealer, um, is what you have to use, Matt. Before, you're doing a damage dealer and supporting by going, oh, there's a cork file. Yeah, your attack is now minus three, so that's two, two pillage tokens. Now, instead of just be minus two, they're also no longer immune to panic by having two pillage tokens, by being, you know, minus two to panic damage. Um, they, they definitely took durability nerfs here and support nerfs, but their offense is still there. It's still thundering with minus one, an additional minus one when you have two tokens. And they still have, well, eight dice when you have two pillage tokens and max, you know, and max, max rank. The offense is still there. This, it's just now I believe this isn't an auto take anymore. It might not even be a take more than one at a time anymore. Um, but it does have a place, and I think you can build lists to incorporate the changes to this unit and still be very effective. 
I agree. I think uh, one thing a lot of people, I think, forget about, a lot of people see, like, the five-up uh, armor, you know, and they forget about how much Greyjoys can heal. Not only that, if we're doing a head-to-head -head fight, these guys versus someone else, when you have Sundering and or Super Sundering, their armor is less, too. Um, so unless your opponent hits, like, critical blow and gets rerolls, um, you're not caring about, you're not caring too much about your opponent having Sundering. You're not caring if they have Vicious, usually, if you're, if we're assuming they have the two pillage on them. Um, and so you could face a four-up armor unit that is now saving on sixes. You could face a three-up armor unit that's now saving on fives, which is the same armor as you. So that Sundering, especially Super Sundering, is a big uh, factor when, you know, if you're factoring head-to-head -head defensiveness, um, especially if your opponent has no real keywords. So something to keep in mind. Now, granted, I think uh, weighted dice is definitely the way to go to kill these guys, um, especially if you have a lot of auto hits with, like, hold the line or something. So uh, I don't know, I'm excited for these guys for the fact that I think they're more fair. All right, now, last unit to talk about is the Black Tide Chosen. They, in my, uh, if I'm not mistaken, got uh, like a complete rework. They're now only six points, not seven. I'll say, even without talking about anything else yet, I think that was a great choice. I think, uh, not that they had like an insane amount, but I feel like Grey Jays were just a little too bloated in the seven-point uh, options. Um, when you have Iron Makers and Silence Men, they're just so, like, they're both good. It was hard to find the space to run a seven-point mostly support unit. But now these guys are uh, a four-up to hit, uh, and then they have First Claim. First Claim is each time a friendly NCU takes the Wealth Zone, one Black Tide Chosen unit gains a Pillage Token. Um, while this unit has two pillage tokens, all friendly units in short range gain plus one to morale test rolls and suffer minus one wound from failing panic tests. Uh, first claim is amazing. You really, uh, if you play like Balon, I know a lot of people really don't like running him, it seems like, because they want Balon NCU. But Balon, uh, and then like Euron, one point attachment, you can basically start the entire game, or your entire army with pillage pretty quickly. Um, and so if your, uh, entire army has, let's just say one, let's just say these guys have two pillage and then everyone else has one pillage. That means that everyone has the plus one morale from the basic, uh, effect. And now within, uh, short of this unit, another plus one morale. And then if you throw out a tree out there, I mean, you're essentially turning your art entire army into this, you know, super morale uh, uh, faction pretty easily. I think combined with average to below average armor and then amazing morale and then super healing, killing Greyjoys is just so hard to do. What, uh, what are your thoughts on all the changes to these guys? 
so another change that happens, this unit also gained a morale. They start at six morale instead of seven. So oh, yeah. when, they get right. one, when they get two pillage, they're not like four up armor, four up morale, and doing basically emboldened with minus one to panic damage. Um, this unit's really interesting for me at six points. Uh, it does kind of, I mean, it still has to buy the spoil. So it still can just be like, oh, start of a turn before I take the money bag that's going to put a token on here. Oh, they already have to. Let's just move one off of them and then take the money bag and put one back on. Um, this unit, I think, is really good for support. Uh, and I think he works really well with Eric Ironmaker NCU because Eric Ironmaker is, if an enemy takes the mail, uh, the money bag, he gains a pillage token. So you're going to gain something if your opponent tries to stop it. If he takes the money bag, he gains a pillage, and the black side chosen will get a pillage. The only difference is, is now Eric can't put out a token, uh, one of his pillage tokens. He'll just be banking it. Uh, I, I see a lot of options here, uh, a lot of support options. And as you were alluding to, the faction didn't need point units between them Iron Makers and uh, Silence Men. They did kind of need another six-point unit, and especially because we know the next unit coming for them is another five-point unit. This kind of fit actually something they needed, which was another six-point unit. Um, and it, it provides a role that's a lot more, I would say, to you. Like you th this, kinda, this is not just a plug-and-play unit anymore. I mean, I, it's hard to say. It was kind of overshadowed by the other two seven-pointers anyway. But it's not a plug-and-play. Like, you kind of have to have a plan in place. Um, I definitely like this unit with, like, Iron Maker and a unit or an army that's, like, Iron Makers, the new Stony Shore uh, Pillagers. Build, like, an actual uh, good armor list of Greyjoys this allows you to do. Um I think it opens up a completely different, or not completely different play style, but a very interesting play style of we have good morale, we have decent armor. Our offense might not be there, but that's where someone like Dagmar Clefjall one-point attachment with Battlestars now could improve a unit and just go put them in this unit. They're back to seven points, but now they have offense to go with their supporting. Um, I think it's really interesting. I'm excited actually to play around with this unit. Uh, I did play one game against David earlier with it. Um, it did pretty well, but the, the game, unfortunately, swung heavy in my way, so it kind of ended early before I got to really play around with it. I'm excited to play more with it and see how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I like this unit. I really do. Yeah, same. I think they did a wonderful job with redesigning this unit, um, and I think they'll see a lot more play. Uh, there's so much uh, pillage shenanigans you can do now. And by shenanigans, I don't mean like, you know, stuff. I mean just allows you to do a lot of cool combos, little, you know, little things that make um, Greyjoys unique in that way. So uh, I'm excited uh, to play these guys. Um, uh, I'm probably going to run them at one of the events at Adepticon. Not sure which one yet. Um, to kind of segue into that as we wrap up here at the last couple minutes. For those that have uh, been considering it or are on the fence, definitely uh, consider Adepticon. It's uh, next month, um, end of the month, March. I uh, forget what days exactly. i uh, look it up on my phone here. Um, you know, they have a 
an event or a tournament on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now the Sunday one is uh, a friendly tournament, um, and that so if you're experienced, uh, they do encourage that if you want, you can come help uh, the newer players, and then uh, coach and do stuff like that. It, from the way the description sounds, sounds like anyone that helps that way will be entered in and to win prizes. So like the judge, uh, not judges, but the experienced players that help out will have their own little prize pool of things that they can win. But for everyone else, um, you know, Thursday is uh, basically a Cerberus, um, uh, you know, three-list format. Friday is a team tournament. Saturday will be a, a one-day championship tournament. So definitely check that out. I'll be going to all four days uh, and like I've been doing for the last couple Adepticons, uh, I'll probably be running a different faction every single day. Uh, so I'm excited for that. So uh, I want to thank you all for listening in. Unfortunately, I only got through two again, and I just realized that we didn't go over free folk, free folk yet either. So fingers crossed, one more episode. Really going to try, because um, I think we just have Martell's free folk and uh, Starks. So. Um, but yeah, with that said, everybody, uh, again, I want to thank you all so much for listening in. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here. Why?